everyone, and welcome to season two of the No Recipe Required podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Taylor, where each week I'll have a guest to talk about some aspect of food, wine, cooking, and baking, with a special focus on making things up on the fly from whatever we have on hand. If you want to see what I'm up to in the kitchen, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at norecipe-required.ca, or you can join my Facebook group where I'll post weekly cooking challenges and answer any questions you might have about cooking or how to use different ingredients. Members also share their meals and give each other feedback on what they've cooked up. Just search for the No Recipe Required Challenge and click to join. All right, let's get to this week's episode. This week, I'm speaking with someone I've never met in person, but sort of admired from the distance and followed on Instagram. He was a contestant on season three of the great Canadian bake show, Jay Smith. I was introduced to Jay through my sister, Carolyn Taylor, who was one of the co-hosts of that season of Bake Show. And spoiler alert, Jay didn't know this was going to happen, but Carolyn made an appearance partway through our interview. We talk about how he started baking, what his experience was like on the show, and then we nerd out on all kinds of things baking related. Jay even gives us a challenge of something to bake at the end of the episode. So please enjoy this episode of No Recipe Required. Welcome everyone to another episode of No Recipe Required. Today, my guest is Jay, uh, who you can follow on Instagram at zen underscore of underscore baking. And Jay is a baking phenom who I've been following for a couple of years since I saw him on Great Canadian Bake Show. And uh, um, I just love the stuff that he's baking. And I'm hoping that he's going to be able to share all kinds of tips and tricks about baking with you, our listeners. Um, So welcome, Jay. Thank you, Leslie. It's great to be here. Uh, Where are where am we talking from? Like, where are you located in the world? I'm in Toronto. Where are you? I am in Western Quebec, so I'm just outside of Ottawa. Okay. Um, I'm a public servant, so I work for Global Affairs Canada, and we live out in the Gatineau Hills. Oh, nice. So we're just outside of Ottawa, just inside Quebec, uh, on about four acres of land. So we're nice. we're pretty pastoral out here. <laughs> nice. So do you yeah. like have your own cows and make your own butter or anything like that? Nope, nope. I have a dog. Oh, okay. a dog. Uh, I did. Okay. I did garden this year due to the pandemic, like many people. So that yeah. that was quite the interesting um, foray into something I have not done yet. So. Okay. <laughs> did you make anything interesting with uh, with the stuff that you grew in your garden? Uh, for the first year, I've done pickles, and mm-hmm. I am in the process of making tomato sauce. Good. I'm always jealous of people who either make their own or who have friends who make their own, because yeah. I never can find anybody, it seems, who who's willing to part with any of their homemade tomato sauce. So let's talk a little bit more about baking. Uh, pretty simple question. How did you get started baking? Like, how long have you been baking? Oh. You know, I'm one of those people where, like, my mom didn't bake, so I didn't learn it from her. Um, I'm the youngest of seven kids, mm, wow. and I'm a change-of-life baby, so there's eight years between me and my closest sister. Three of my older sisters baked, and they baked things like, you know, just cookies and an occasional, like, sheet cake or something like that. 
And I would always watch and help and do stuff like that. But due to my husband's job, who also works for Global Affairs, he is a, um, he's what they call a rotational officer. So he goes to postings abroad. And uh, we were posted to Sweden. And after the first year there, my contract ended with Adobe Systems and I found myself with not a lot to do. Okay. And it was about the time when the great uh, British baking show started to air. Some friends of mine said, oh, you should watch this. So they bootlegged some copies for me and sent it uh, to me from London. And I started watching this and I'm going, well, I could do that. Well, I could do that. And I went down this rabbit hole of baking and I just started baking their challenges, you know, their, their technical bakes. And right. Yeah. Yeah. Decided to teach myself how to make croissant. And I, I just saw from, your photo from the other day of your croissants and they look fantastic. Yeah. It's been a while that when I first started, I think I made probably six batches in a row. Oh, wow. My husband was very, very happy. Um, <laughs> because, but, but I was like, we're going to make this until they're right. And uh, we had friends from Paris who were visiting and they were like, this is better than I can get on the street. And I was wow. like, okay, that's good enough for me. I'll take okay. it. Okay. So yeah, you got the vote of confidence. If you're getting uh, you know, two thumbs up from people from France, then uh, you're probably doing uh, you're probably doing a good job. What is your favorite thing to make? Oh, I still love pastries. I still like working with laminated dough. It's the yeah. thing that it calms me, just the process of rolling it and folding it, rolling it and folding it. You know, I know people who do art get lost in, you know, like the paintbrush and the process. And I think I get lost in the rolling and the folding. Yeah. It, it makes me relax. So today that's still probably the thing I like to bake the most. So for and people I, who maybe are not uh, as well versed in the term, like I know what laminated dough yep, is, but yep. for people who don't really know what that is, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Anything that's a laminated dough would be something like a, um, like a puff pastry mm -hmm. or a croissant where you layer butter between folds of dough that you've created to create many, many layers of dough, butter, dough, butter, dough, butter. So when you bake it, the steam that releases from the butter melting in the oven helps raise it along with the yeast. And, mm. and sometimes it's yeasted, sometimes it's not, to um, make very flaky layers mm -hmm. that crunch and just kind of melt in your mouth. Right. So a yeasted dough would be something like a croissant, whereas mm -hmm. a non-yeasted dough would be a puff pastry. Fold it over butter, roll it out, fold it in thirds, roll right. it out there, again. When you're rolling out the dough, there's many ways you can do it. You can, the way I do it is I roll the dough, regardless of what I'm making, into a giant rectangle. And then I have mm -hmm. a square of butter. That's about, I would say, a third of the... Um, Oh, we have a special Hi. guest. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> hey, oh stranger. God. How are you? Well, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so yeah, so I asked Carolyn to, so for the listeners, uh, my sister, Carolyn Taylor, who was the host of Big Show the year that Jay was on Big Show, has just Zoom bombed us. Yeah. Um, well, it's a zoom bomb to Jay. He he didn't know she was going to come on. I knew she was coming on. Um, Hi, Jay. Hi, how are you? Good, good. My sister was telling me about, you know, that you were coming on. I'm like, of course, perfect. Like this is basically <laughs> the best. 
And I was thinking about our time, like we really, I mean, Jay and I connected on yeah, the big, big time. Like it was sort of almost instant. Like from that first, I think our first bonding moment was when you were telling me about how when you're making egg whites, you're not supposed to put any oil product in, like anything fat related when you're <laughs> blending the egg whites. And then he was reaching for a bottle of like canola oil. And I was like, but doesn't that count as oil? He's like, oh shit. And so yeah, I saved him from- <laughs> Being in the tent is a very surrealistic experience and you'll find yourself doing things that you never in a million years would do in your own kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, so that leads me into my next round of questions, which is like, what is that experience like? Like, how did that process work for you in terms of like getting cast on the show and then showing up on in the tent and all that kind of stuff? You know, at first it was, it was a pipe dream. For me because you know i've always watched the british version i watched the swedish version when i lived in sweden so for me it was like oh you know let's just see if i can do it and, and i did apply the first year and, and i didn't make it through and the second year was my 50th birthday and i was on a cruise so i was like well i'm going on the cruise and uh so the third year i decided okay we're gonna do this and i did it and i got through and the process you know i think it's changed a lot uh with the pandemic but at the time you just applied online, you provided some links and some photos of things that you've made. You would go through a phone interview to see, I think, how you interacted with the producers and what kind of personality you had. And if you made it through there, you were invited to bake in person at one of various uh, in-person interviews and tests throughout the country. And mine was in Montreal. And um, I got in from a business trip to London the day before and had to be in Montreal the next morning with a baked good. Oh. <laughs> so I came home, I made croissant and I made two different other things just to see what would look good in the morning. And I, I took what looked best in the morning at like 6 a.m. because they had to be in Montreal at like eight. <laughs> so it was like, okay, let's see how this rolls. And you know, as things went through and I met everybody and started piecing together things, you know, people would kind of disappear from the room and go for interviews and things like that. And they pulled me in, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, if this is as far as I got, I'm fine with it, because I had fun. I met some wonderful, amazing people in my area who bake. A few weeks later, I got the call. And I was on and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like now you actually have to do it. Like once, you know, you got through the interview process, it's like now you actually have to execute and be there every week and all of that, right? And there's a period of time where you don't know what to do because, you know, you're they're like, okay, you're on, but we're not giving you any of the briefs yet because we're not ready to. So you're like, okay, in preparation for this, what do I do? So you just start. My husband, I was like every day, I was like, tell me something to bake. And almost every day I was making something completely that I had no idea, you know, what I was going to do that morning. And that night I'd crank it out and I would take it to work the next day. And, you know, at some point people at work are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just practicing just in case. And, you know, some people knew I auditioned and they're like, well, did you? And I'm like, nope, nope, nothing's happened. No, I haven't heard a thing. No, I didn't get on. No, I'm just going to get better for next year. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to be clandestine about the whole thing. And once you know, they start shipping you the ideas of like, okay, start thinking about what you're going to do for cake week or stuff like that. And you're, and you're making your proofs because you start making things that are kind of elaborate at some point. And then before you take them anywhere, you have to destroy them. So it's like, before what I took mean, them into what you, work. 
What do you mean well, by you destroy to, them? You, you have to disguise it. So like the slab week, you know, when I practice the slab cake, it's very obvious what it is. I mean, who the heck bakes a cake that big randomly? Right. Right. Okay. So but are you like, I, happy birthday, Tina, well, who I don't yeah, know? Like who I don't know. <laughs> Luckily I had a rugby team. So okay. what I did is I took the cake, I, I like took the frosting of the decoration, smeared it all in. So it just like some rainbow tie-dye thing, cut it up into little pieces and I took it to a rugby practice and I just handed it out to everybody. And that's the question I get most is, what happens to all the food? I'm like, oh, everybody eats it. I brought uh, home so much stuff from Bake. Like, so where my neighbor, Sasha, I'd come home always like with a box of like stuff. Yeah. And and when the show ended, she was like, where's the box? Like, wait a second. I kind of got used to this, that on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or whatever it was, the baking day was, either, I can't remember the schedule. I'd come home, yeah, with the most delicious thing. Yeah. yeah. Where does it go? We just eat it. And you learn yeah. like, when you're there, you're like, oh, this is the good one. Oh, did you check out Jay's Whippets or did you check out so, you know? You know, and, and it was like, because we'd go in in the morning to check to make sure that all of our ingredients and stuff were in place. So, you know, a lot of the the crew knew what we were making because you've got kitchen crew, you've got equipment crew who would make sure that everything was in your spot. You'd have to go in, sign off on it and say, yep, everything's here. And, you know, sometimes they would sneak up to you and go, okay, I saw what you're making and I'm claiming that now is mine, you know? <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> but it, it was, especially when, when there was all 10 of us uh, there were times where even like the 10 of us didn't get to ch- taste each other's stuff because it was all gone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know? And it was, and and that you were able to stay so calm and jovial and having fun because literally, I don't know if you know, well, Leslie, you came to to check it out one of the days you came on set, but like there's like 10 cameras on giant yeah. jibs. Like, so when you're watching the show, it's beautiful. It looks like this big spacious yeah. tent, but when you're there and there, there's, you know, crew crawling on their hands and knees, emptying your, you know, uh, your dirty bowls and stuff and crawling away on the ground. Then of course, you know, you had Aurora and I, and sometimes we're being pushed and it's like, okay, go talk to Chase. Like, oh, I don't want to go in right now. <laughs> what if his cake falls? Like there's that, that thing of you're under so much pressure. You've got people interviewing you, asking you questions, whispering in your ear, crawling at your feet. You know, how did you keep it together? You learn quick that no matter, you know, either if you or Aurora are coming to talk to us or Bruna and Kyla are coming to talk to us, you got to keep going. You can't stop what you're doing in chat because that clock's still ticking. And for everyone who wonders, that clock is ticking. Yeah. You don't see it, but we do. It's on the wall behind everybody else and we see it right there. <laughs> and we're going, holy Moses. <laughs> <laughs> it's surreal at first, but you adjust to it real quick. You have to. You, 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 you have to be able to focus on what you're doing and kind of shut everything else out. But what I find is you're also listening to the people who are at the workstations closest to you. And that's where the things happen. Like, I guess I would call it the magic where we have the ability to interact with each other or if something's going wrong or, you know, like Natalia's like, oh my gosh, I have the wrong color food coloring. I'm like, here, take mine. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's baking, it's group baking. 
is really yeah. what it is. And I go ahead. Yeah, well, that was that's the thing that I think is noticeable. Um, I actually don't watch the British one all that much, um, but definitely in the Canadian one is how collaborative it is and how much mm -hmm. you all want each other to succeed. Like it's not a cutthroat oh, yeah. competition where you're trying to like sabotage another person and, you know, you need to like, you don't want to help them because you want to beat them and all this. Like everyone is looking out for each other and trying to help each other out. At least yeah. that's a sense that I get watching the show. Mm -hmm. I think we in Canada, like them, as the seasons progress, the bakers get better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, as I'm interacting with, you know, the folks from this season, because, you know, we don't know who they are until they're announced. We right. have, we have no clue. Um, and, you know, and once we're okay, we start reaching out to them and I'm looking at what they're doing and, and I'm blown away. You know, and some of them, even like last year, they have auditioned for like, three maybe four years yeah and each time they don't make it they go back for a year and they improve on their skills and it shows mm. oh my god it shows i wouldn't want to be up against these folks i yeah, would be gone cake week I know yeah, <laughs> yeah the skill skill level keeps going up and up for sure i noticed that on on many of these types of whether it's a cooking or a baking competition show it's yeah. every year it's like oh my god how can you com compete with that i auditioned for a uh, master chef one year yeah. i did it on a bet um carolyn forced me to do it and, uh, <laughs> I, and I got it. to the audition stage which was great and yeah. i didn't get any further than that but when i ended up watching that season seeing the stuff they were making I'm like I would never have been able to compete with those people but you know maybe like if you're surrounded by that you up level your game like did you find you that do. you baked at a higher level than you ever thought you could bake you do you yeah. absolutely up your game and the funny thing is because we don't know who each other are until we actually meet so the first time I met anybody from my season was at the airport because we shared a van home it was myself Natalia Liam and I think Chris all four of us were in the same van okay and that was the first time I met any of them I knew who they were a little bit you know like I knew who Natalia was from Instagram um you know liam and chris i didn't really know and you really don't know what anybody can do until that first day in the tent and you start baking not only are we paint that first bake is the hardest because you're trying to pay attention to what you're doing but you're also watching what everybody else is doing because that's the first time you really get to see what the skill sets of everybody else is mm -hmm. And you also, what I noticed, uh, I think it was Profederal week. Uh, there oh, was, some, yeah. and it was a strawberry Profederal, something like that. I, yeah. I, uh, and people, there was a question. You know, sometimes they leave something out in the in the instructions, and oh, it was something yeah. to do with the strawberries. And someone made the move of either putting the strawberries in the batter or doing something in a different way than you're supposed to, and it, it was caught cake on. Cake. It was, it was, yeah. And it's like you see it, you see people not yeah. copying like not in like cheating but you go oh i guess they're doing that like maybe this and you're like yeah. who was the first one who started who made the mistake because you see the mistake repeated and it was mary lou it was mary lou yes <laughs> it was mary lou she put she chopped up the strawberries yes. and put them in the roulade inside yes. with the buttercream and yes. other people started doing it and by then mine was done and uh, i was like I'm not unrolling that thing and I'm glad I didn't because that was like the one technical I won you know Kyla immediately was like who did this and we're all like 
no one. We don't know. We just kind of did our own thing because we weren't going to tattle on each other because, yeah. you know, Kyla was new to us. We didn't yeah. know who Kyla was. You know, yeah. it, it was it, it was that first day and you're like, oh, OK, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Of the um, of the three challenges that you do every week, which did you prefer? So there's the signature bake, which is your take on oh. something that they ask you to make. Mm-hmm. Then there's the technical, which has to be exactly what they ask you to make and then you've got your showstopper which of the three was your preference and or which was your downfall like which did you find the most difficult i struggled with my showstoppers a bit because i didn't know how over the top to take them sometimes by the time you're in the tent it's too late to change it do you have it all planned out before you go like how much how much did you already know what you were going to make before you even arrived in the tent you have to plan ahead and, and i'd come up with our recipes develop them submit what our ideas were for approval i always made sure each week i came up with an idea i tried to turn it around as fast as possible to make sure that i didn't get the somebody already came up with that think of something else Right. So you were the first one in with that particular I was probably one of the first ones. Yeah. And I think sometimes that worked to my detriment because then I was stuck with something because I think occasionally I would come up with the idea before I'd figure out how to execute it. Mm. And um, but I know uh, Natalia, I know Chris and some of them came back a couple times and said, oh, no, they told me I had to do something else. The hardest one, I think, was probably the cookie sculpture, because you can't use anything that is branded or copyrighted. Oh, okay. So it's got to be completely... So like you couldn't own. do like a Harry Potter thing no. because it's no, a copyright. Couldn't do Alice, exactly. Or you couldn't Disney do Alice in Wonderland either. because it's owned by Disney. Oh, okay, so I you gotcha. couldn't do anything like that. So it kind of had to be, you know generic generic yeah so that made it a little bit harder what would you say was your biggest learning like in terms of your baking skills like what did you learn on the show oh i you know what there was so much from the judging you know and and carolyn you'll attest to this because every time we would go up before bruno and kyla it would be i would say anywhere from three to five minutes per person Mm -hmm. and all you see is about three seconds on screen Mm -hmm. and the information that they would give to us and with just a taste between the two of them they could tell you exactly what went wrong yeah and they would tell you exactly how to fix it and that's the stuff where you know i'm like if i could go back and get the dailies from all of that just so i could write all that down Mm -hmm. you know there's bits and pieces that stick in your head but when you're in the moment And after you've been on set for, you know, 12 hours a day, by the time you get back to the hotel and you start writing things down, you're like, I know I forgot half of it. Yeah. And they, they really, they were almost forensic law. Like they would look at your cake, have a slice of whatever. And they'd say, oh, the bottom seems overcooked here. And of course they weren't, they were often away when in some of these crucial baking moments, you know, where no one was around and they'd know exactly what happened. They'd say, oh, it looks like the clock was running out, so you turned up the heat on your yep. stove in order yep. to bake it faster, and then yep. you you overcooked the bottom. And yep. it was like, how the fuck did you know that? Because they literally <laughs> were going through that very issue because yes. Aurora and I would have witnessed that, you know, earlier. And they would know precisely what yep. the problem was, what you did, or you over needed the bread. And look, you can see the distress in the in yeah. the hala or something. You know, yeah. they know they'll forget more than I will ever know. And I love them for that, you know, to this day, if I reach out to 
either one of them, you know, they're back to me like that. It, to this day, even when I'm baking in the back of my head, you know, in my mind, I hear them, you know, yeah. just little things. I've learned so much about how to approach things and how to look at things differently. And really, it is science. You look at it, like you said, Carolyn, it's forensics. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. completely go in and, and know exactly what you did wrong. And it, it makes you approach things from a completely different perspective when you're baking. And also some weird things that are like not even yeah. specifically baking where Kyla would say, I like layers to be in odd numbers. So you have three layers in your cake or you have five layers in your cake. Right. Or she'd say something like, if you're going to ice your cake and then put some, let's say, lime slices, I don't know, some candy lime, don't do that unless you've got some lime flavor inside your cake. So you're, right. you're, you, the, the, um, the presentation of your cake should hint at what's inside. So inside. if you put a few little like pistachio nuts on top, make sure there's something inside, you know, like there's, um, yeah. you're telling a story. And so she yeah. was very much into sort of the story of, yeah. of the, the piece as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, they could tell by taste. I think it was my showstopper in cake week. Kyla knew immediately I'd spilled too much baking soda into one set of the layers and she tasted it. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and she was yeah. like, you, you've got too much baking soda in here. And, and I'm like, the hell did you know that? Fucking know that, yeah. You know, and it's like Jesus. I guess know. that's why they're the judges, right? That's exactly <laughs> why they're the judges. They, they but know it's all like, that Whoa. stuff. They have out. They have all that experience. But that yeah. first judging is where you really know how much they do know and how much they can pull out, and then you go home that first day and you're like okay pull your shit together and don't don't fuck up yeah i guess the margin of error is pretty yeah. uh pretty slim right you know well it, like even the week when i went home that showstopper everyone did a great job that week everybody did and i knew it was me going home because i just didn't do as well as everybody else and and i knew that going in i i knew that after everything was done and seeing what everybody else did and i'm like okay mine's good it's nice, but it's not what everybody else did. And I was okay with it. I was completely, yep, it's my turn. And I'm good with that. And that was the week that Natalia made the spinach cake. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, spinach cake. But Carolyn, I, you said it was fantastic. I it was loved, great. I lo it was like a mint spinach. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. That's one of the ones I brought home. Uh, yeah. yeah. I loved that cake. Yeah. But you would it, think gross. That sounds disgusting, but it actually was really good. Well, it was really funny because even Bruno and Kyla just both looked at her and go, it's delicious, but you really need to call it something else because spinach <laughs> cake sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Are, do you still keep in touch with, I mean, other than Bruno and Kyla, do you still keep oh, in God, touch with yeah. people from the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. You know, I guess it's... it would be, I mean, you go through a life-changing experience like that. Um, yeah. I can imagine that you probably continue to, to, uh, oh, to yeah. stay friends with those people. Absolutely. More often than not, we ask for baking advice from each other. Well, that's you know? good. So yeah. what baking advice would you give our listeners? So if think of someone who's like maybe a new baker, what's some advice you would give people who maybe don't have a lot of confidence? Because I mean, I know so many people who say, oh, I just don't have the confidence to bake. Anyone can bake. The trick of it is when you're working with a recipe, read that recipe at least three times before you start pulling everything out. Get an understanding for what it is you need to do. Because some recipes are written really well, others aren't. Hmm. So they can be a little deceiving, especially when they're like, well, you know, two eggs separated. Well, okay, what does that mean? 
you know, and you have to look into the instructions to figure out where each section or separation comes into play. So you, you know, my advice would be read the recipe a few times and take everything you need and measure it out. Almost do a mise en place, like when mm -hmm. you're cooking so that as you're baking, you just can go and have all, everything ready to go and mix and add and do whatever you need to do. So you're reading, but you, you're not measuring at the same time. Yeah. Just no. like on cooking shows, they always have everything already measured yeah. out in little bowls. Yeah. And I used to think that was just something that people did, like they just did that for TV purposes, like just so that everything would look yeah. nice and neat and clean. But then it's like, oh no, there's actually a practical reason for doing it, right? You Absolutely. measure it all out ahead of time and then you're not chopping something while something else is being mixed. And then you're running out of time because you're not finished this when it's right. needed in the recipe and all of that, right? Or, you know, there's other things like when I am making croissant, I'll make the dough first and then I'll prepare the butter while the, you know, the dough is chilling for an hour and a half. So, you know, there are things you can do in steps to make mm -hmm. it more manageable. Figure out how you can compartmentalize everything to make it work for you. Uh, what staples do you always have on hand in terms of oh, baking? Boy. I probably have more than most. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any time, I would say I've got at least four different kinds of flours. Okay. Uh, I have two. <laughs> so I, yeah, I've got regular flour, pastry flour. I've got whole wheat flour. Uh, I probably have an almond flour in case I have to do something that's um, uh, gluten-free. Do you have a double um, O? Do you have a double O? I... I will buy double O when I need it. Mm -hmm. It's not something I keep around, uh, but only if I'm making pasta or something like that, because it's hard to keep. You don't want it to go bad. You can keep it in the freezer, but I only have so much freezer space. <laughs> you know, I always keep eggs. I always have, you know, I buy them by packs of 18 because I use them all the time. Um, butter, I buy butter whenever it's on sale and I keep it in the fridge or the freezer. And I would say another thing I do is honestly, I will take butter, make brown butter and then stick it in the fridge. Mm. So it's ready to go when I need it. Yeah, what's, brown, use, what's brown butter? Brown butter is, you know what ghee is? So if you're making ghee and you're, you're boiling down the butter so it gets rid of all the milk fats. Yeah. So what you're doing with brown butter is you're going for that, but you're keeping the milk fats in there and you're toasting them. Ah, so it takes on this really kind of golden color and it almost becomes like almost a caramel undertone mm. when you use it in things like cookies and cakes. Oh, thank you for the hot tip. Cool. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah, I only bake when I can give it to people. That's how I lost 60 pounds. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know that's the thing like it's really tough for like when I bake I almost always give it away I mean I'll keep yeah. a few things although my latest trick and I actually just made some today um, I'll make up a batch of cookies and I scoop them all out onto a tray and freeze the freeze balls them. and then I can like pull out yesterday the other day I baked two cookies because that's yep. all I want it was two cookies yep. so I just pulled the two frozen balls of cookie out of the freezer bake those up and 20 minutes later I had freshly baked cookies yep. um, so I only bake what I'm going to be able to eat or in the case of giveaway if I'm going to be able to give it away because the recipes I have seem to make like massive quantities of cookies and so um, and then that yeah. way you always have fresh cookies right yeah. if you if you want mm. them I do a thing what? I make this thing called bed cake it's a vanilla cake from scratch and it's bed cake because it's like, oh, it's time for bed. Should we bring some cake upstairs? And you <laughs> cut it into sections. And 
and like there was during the like heart of the pandemic, my girlfriend would like come up with eight pieces of cake. I'm like, I guess we're going to bed now and we'd eat bed cake uh, just to sort of get through the know. pandemic. But then I'll take it, cut it up and put it in the freezer in Ziploc bags. And then you just defrost yeah. a piece of bed cake or throw it in the microwave, God forbid, if you have to. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. What I ended up doing during the pandemic is, I mean, because the way I would get rid of most of my banking was to take it to work. Right. And, you know, I worked in a building of over a thousand people. And, you know, if they knew I brought bank goods, they'd come and get it and be gone in 10 minutes. What I started doing is just reducing my recipes and scaling them back. So, you know, I make a six inch cheesecake now, or I make, you know, a, a four inch layer cake. You know, things like that, that will last me maybe one or two days. Mm. Um, if I do something big, it's because somebody's asked me to do something and I'm going to get rid of it. In So in the spirit of the podcast, which is called No Recipe Required, is there anything that you make where you never have to look at a recipe because you just oh, yeah. know how to do it like in your sleep? What's oh, yeah. a, a recipe you can do in your sleep? My banana bread. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I can do cooking like dinner wise. Right. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, I I, I can do that just on the fly. I don't need the recipe. But when it comes to baking, it is more of a, you know, there's that always, is it science or is it, you know, or is it an art? And there's always a science to it because you have to have some knowledge of what works with what to get the end result you need. You know, um, like my banana bread, I've been making it for so long that, you know, I don't need a recipe anymore. And, you know, if I don't have four bananas, I know how to adjust it for three bananas. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if uh, my croissants, I can pretty much do without any recipe now too. You know, if if you do something often enough, you get used to it. But I mean, in the like chocolate chip cookies, I can do without a recipe now too. Yeah. You know, those are things that are just, you know, if I'm bored, uh, you know, now when I reduce the recipe, I have to think about it. And those I've written down because I have to do a lot of math to reduce a recipe. And math is not my strong suit. So <laughs> I do write those down. Well, you see, that's why I like baking by weight and in metric yeah. weights, because it makes it so much easier to reduce exactly. the recipe. But you still have to go based on how many eggs you have, right? And because you can't, like, how do you do nope. half an egg, right? I weigh the egg. You, I've, I've you were going to say that? <laughs> yeah, I weigh the egg. I've weighed okay. the, you know, as I'm developing the recipes and if something calls for like one egg, yeah, I weigh the egg enough so that I have an approximation of what the, cons- you know, what the constant is. I've done that when I make uh, Swiss meringue buttercream. I actually, mm-hmm. I weigh the eggs, uh, the yep. egg whites, I should say. And then that way I know how much sugar to add to them based mm-hmm. on the weight of, because every egg is slightly different in terms of, of the the amount of white that's in it. Yeah. So. Wow, we yeah. are in deep nerd territory, deep baking, <laughs> like hardcore. <laughs> like we just, I thought we were all together talking and you guys, when you started weighing your eggs, just- <laughs> Well, but I mean, it's kind of the point, Carolyn, and, and I'm sure you've done it too, Leslie, like a lot of recipes are in volume. So after a while, if you see something that you like, what you end up doing is weighing it all out and writing the volumes down. Yeah. Because once you figure out what the baker's percentages are of everything and you reduce everything, like if I want to cut this in half, you just reduce it all by 50%. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if I know I only have one stick of butter and I need three to make this recipe, then I can reduce everything by 33%. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it's, 
you know, thank God for Excel and spreadsheets that help yeah. you do that thing. Because, <laughs> you know, as I said, math is not my strong suit. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, 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 there are ways and there's lots of stuff um, on the Internet that you can find to help you figure out how to do that. And it, 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 it makes a world of difference. Really I have a question for both of you. I have a question for both of you as bakers. Let's say you're following a recipe. I've had this happen. Um, and we, you know, we grew up in a house with bakers, like my mom baked grandma. So we have baking sense, you know, a sense of how things go. You're following a recipe and you're like, this is just too uh, wet. This doesn't yeah. seem right. Do you add more flour or, you know, something to, and go against the recipe or do you trust the recipe and say, no, even though it's not looking right, I'm going to follow it. The first time I trust the recipe, same, you know, it, it, the first time I trust the recipe, because there might be some chemical reaction that I'm unaware of. Generally though, now I can look at a recipe and say, that doesn't look right to me or something looks off or, oh, they're not using enough leavener or you know oh okay well if they're going to use that little bit of leavener there should be more egg because mm. that's where you're going to get the lift and you know those are things i can kind of gauge now but usually the first time i will just do it and see if how it turns out and then i'll make adjustments if I then you'll make it you'll say okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you too, know it's like funny um, yeah, I think the first time I remember in particular, there was a recipe I made and it was a gingerbread cake and it was cooked in, um, in a bunt pan. And it actually said in the recipe, this is going to be a very liquid batter. Don't worry about it. Like it's supposed to be. And so I was like, okay, um, it seemed really runny to me, but then when it baked up, it was totally fine. And it turned out exactly the way I wanted. So, um, so like Jay said, it, I'll follow a recipe exactly the for baking, not always for cooking, but for baking, I'll right. follow a recipe exactly the first time I make something. And then if it doesn't turn out or I don't, either it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to, or I just didn't like the way it turned out, then I might make some changes the funniest thing is that i learned in baking show is your pans mm. my pans are different at home than what was provided to me in the tent and if i had to do it all over again i would bring all my own pans i i would paid for extra luggage to get there and brought all my own pans oh yes. wow okay yes. yeah you know because there were things like um like the week i went home my uh my coffee cake i make that coffee cake in a very dark pan so it cooks faster and in a lighter pan, it didn't cook in the amount of time that my recipe called for. And it never dawned on me until afterwards. And I was like, well, damn it. So I'm going to ask you one final question. And sure. we're just, we're going to wrap up here. Um, I'd like you to give us, me and the listeners, a challenge, maybe even Carolyn too, um, of something to bake this week. You know what I would say? It's fall. It's right in the middle of apple season. I would say an apple crumble. Apple crumble. Ooh. Do you have any tips for us on what makes for a good apple crumble? What I would say when you're making an apple crumble, oftentimes you'll see for the crumble piece to have it all dry. So, oh. you know, you cut the butter in cold or room temperature. Mm -hmm. What I've discovered through the years is if you melt the butter and let it cool, and then you mix all of the uh, like the oats and the, uh, the brown sugar and everything into it, it sticks better. Oh, okay. Ah, cool. 
it sticks a lot better. It doesn't become as dry and fly away. And uh, that's that, that would be my one suggestion to give that a, a spin. Okay. Well, that that's actually works out really well because a friend of mine and her family went apple picking this week and she texted Sweet. me to say, we have too many apples. Come and get There's some no apples. I know. So, well, <laughs> so I was going to make applesauce, but now I'm like, well, I guess I'll make apple crisps since Jay has given me the... Uh, uh, given me the assignment and Carolyn, you too, you're in a good apple area as well. Yeah. Lots of fruit in your neighborhood. So great. we got to make our apple crisp. I think that's a great idea. Fantastic. Good. Okay. It's on. I just had a debate with someone, crisp or cobbler. I'm like, I love a cobbler, but now I'm oh, like, no. okay. Crisp Cobblers over cobbler. are good too. Oh, I love yeah, a cobbler. Cobblers are good too. But yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'll come to the crisp side. I'll, I'll try a crisp. <laughs> okay. Better Sounds than like a pie. A we can all agree. It's always better than a pie. Easier than a pie. <laughs> Easier than a pie. Easier than a pie. That is true. That is true. Well, Jay, thank you very much for spending time with me and to Carolyn oh, for pleasure. Zoom bombing us on the uh, in the conversation. Um, I really enjoy following you on Instagram and um, hopefully our listeners will enjoy following you. So if you see a, a bump in, in followers uh, in the next little while, uh, hopefully they're listeners of the podcast. So, that would be great. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. And uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so Bye, much. Jay. Bye, Jay. Bye. Bye. Take care. Yeah. Thanks again to Jay and Carolyn for chatting with me about baking. Please do follow Jay on Instagram. His handle is at zen, Z-E-N, underscore of, underscore baking. And as always, you can follow me at noreciperequired.ca. And please do post your photos of apple crumble or crisp or cobbler and tag me in them. Until next time, keep on cooking and baking. Baking.